You know what today is. It's Feature Friday, but first, we're going to break down the Texas Southern FAMU basketball game, what to expect, and why this game is so important in SWAT conference play. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And me, I'm just Darian Gray, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor, but better yet, you can just call me the mouth of the South. And I want to talk about Texas Southern versus FAMU and break down this game that will be airing on NBA TV. And I posed a question a few days ago. Can FAMU win a game if MJ Randolph plays poorly? I purposely left this question unanswered. I'll ask it on, on Wednesday. I purposely left this question unanswered just so I could revisit it a couple of days later. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost a couple of steps ahead, right? So I knew that we were going to get back into this game of FAMU versus Texas Southern either on yesterday's episode or to close up the week. I knew at some point we were going to revisit it, especially after discussing the logjam that's at the top of the Swag Basketball Conference. Men's, we're talking about the men's basketball team, right? I knew that was going to happen, but I think there's a reason that this question even exists. And it's not just so I can have a, another topic to talk about. It's the fact that MJ Randolph is the highest scorer in the SWAC, individual-wise. He's the highest scorer in the SWAC. But you look at FAMU, and they're a middle-of-the-pack scoring team. And to me, that just does not make sense. I haven't watched every FAMU game. you know. But to sit there, and I, I put it in football terms, right? I'm a big football guy. You have the leading passer in the NFL. You wouldn't expect to have a middle-of-the-pack offense as far as statistics go. Stats only tell part of the story. I understand that. But you just wouldn't expect to have that happen. It just, it just does not feel right that you can have one part of your offense that is just so magnificent, so spectacular, but then the overall product ranks middle of the pack. Just doesn't line up. And what that does do is it paints a picture of an offense that is essentially carried by one guy. Most of the points come from this one guy. And, I mean, numbers don't lie in that aspect. Numbers can definitely be fudged and they can be, they can be garbled, right? You know, that's, that, that was a word that was a word of the day, I think, a couple of days ago. Numbers can definitely be garbled. They don't, they, they don't lie, though. They don't lie in, in, in this turn. He averages nearly 20 points a game. Fam, you averages less than 70. He's basically nearly 30, or excuse me, a third of their offensive output. So the question is, can they succeed if MJ Randolph has a bad game? Not a slow game, a bad game. And the answer is yes, they did it one time this year. They did it one time this year. All right? Because no other player averages in double digits. But they did it one time, and that was against um that was against Jackson State. Because against Jackson State, he had eleven he had eleven points in that game. And that's not a good game. Not a good game, especially not for him. 
And we're going to get into just how they've done it. But I want to first qualify who they have out there other than him. Because I think just simply looking at it, like once I said, numbers can't lie. They can be garbled. So I just want to look at it. They have no players averaging more than 10 points. One guy, but he's injured. He only played nine games. He hasn't played in swag, swag ball at all. So I'm excluding him. They don't have anybody. But Bryce, but Bryce Moran, he may not average 10. He's at like 9.6. He might not average 10. But that's because in out-of-conference games, BM just wasn't scoring in those. But you get strict you get strictly to the to the conference play when he's playing his swag. He's had double digits in basically every game but two. So it's not that he can't score. I actually think he's a reliable scorer. Look at DJ Jones. He's dropped 14 twice. He's dropped 13 once. And that's in conference play. He dropped 24 versus Miami. So the Rattlers have players who can score. I just don't think that DJ has proved himself to be too reliable. You know, he, he's had some flashes, but he's not a game-in, game-out scorer. You, you know that he might not score in any given game. But I think that BM, old Bryce Moran, has, has proven himself to be a steady offensive player. To, but to the question, can they win if MJ Randolph has a poor game? That's the question, that's the question of the segment that, we, that we're really following. When talking about FAMU side of it. And the answer is yes, because over the last three games, he's only averaged 15 points. He was averaging nearly 20, 20 a game. It felt like every conference game he was dropping 20. But he's only averaging like 15. He had 11, 17, and 13. Yeah, some, yeah. he had 17, 11, and 13. And he had 11 points versus Jackson State. And in that game, Keith Littles and BM combined for 32 points. In this most recent game, BM dropped a double-double. Randolph still has 17 in that game, so he was he was getting better. But overall, it just wasn't what his standard was at. He's just not performing to the standard that he had set for himself. But BM dropped a double-double. And I, that's why I like Bryce, because he's continuously putting up points. He's, put, he's adding to the offense. So he's not somebody you can count out. He's not somebody you can count out at all. And over the last three games, Randolph has not played his best ball. He has not shot the, the ball well at all in any of those three games. Those games easily could have went the way of Bethune-Cookman, where you lost that game when he only had 11 points. But instead, they found a way to win, mostly with defense. A lot of, a lot of it was defense because they scored three of their five lowest totals in the, of the year, and they lost the other two. They won these three. Defensively, they've held opponents to three of the lowest totals of the year. It's that simple. That's what they've done. And if we're talking about defense, then Texas Southern is who we need to talk about because I don't want to rehash the way that they score. We talked about that on Wednesday's episode. The highest individual ranking they have is Bryson Gresham, who's second in block. John Walker's ninth in blocks. And that's indicative of their best quality, their defense. They have the best defense in SWAC, lowest opponent, uh, field goal percentage, lowest points allowed. They're a defensive stalwart. And... They're a lockdown defensive squad with individual players who rank highly. And I think that's where they should really look at it. We're talking about what can the FAMU offense do? And now we're looking at this Texas Southern defense. Is FAMU offense versus FAMU defense is going to be the story of this game on Saturday? Because I know FAMU has found recent success without having to have Randolph go off. I get it. 
But stopping him is still going to be imperative. It should still be mission number one coming into the game. I don't care if this guy is going scoreless in back-to-back -back games. If I play him on that third game, I'm doing everything I can to make sure he's scoreless again. I'm not going to assume he's down and out or that he's lost his mojo. That's just not a guy I want to do that against. And he dropped 17 in the last game. We're talking, we're talking about a, a, a slump. He dropped 17 in that last game. So making sure that you stop him is going to be super important. I think that is something that Texas Southern is definitely up for. And you combine that with the fact that they actually scored very efficiently on offense just without any big-time individuals. This is a game that is going to be really fun to watch. Like, I cannot wait for Saturday. It's Texas Southern versus FAMU, and we're specifically looking at the FAMU offense versus TSU's defense. And going forward, we've already discussed why this game is so good, why you guys should tune into it. But also, I want to discuss why it's so important to the SWAC basketball landscape, at least in my opinion. And I want to tell you about that. But before I do that, I want to tell you about Bet Online because there might be less football played. I'm, I'm bummed out about it. I'm saying it all cool, but there's going to be less football played. But BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season from score, totals, playoff performance props, or player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for everything NFL betting in 2022. But it's not just football, so if that's not your cup of tea, that's okay. There's a lot more other things for them to get in, for you to get into. BetOnline.net has basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, eyes to cover everything. That's why they're the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is the number one wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest. Way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. I also want to tell you about Get Upside because if you're anything like me, you're probably consistently in your car driving around all day. And when you're finally done driving, you look down and say, I really do have to go to the pumps and you dread it. I absolutely hate going to, to the pumps. Getting gas is just so expensive. And then when I found the Get Upside app, it made it a lot easier because even though I still have to spend money, I'm spending 25 cents less per gallon when I'm filling up. Yes, you heard me right. With the Get Upside app, you can get 25 cents off per gallon every time you fill up. And on the and if you use the promo code SCORE, you can get 50 cents off per gallon on your first fill up. Make those trips to the pumps a little less stressful, a little less dreadful, because some people save up to hundreds of dollars because they drive just that much. This is ridiculous. All you have to do is take a picture of your receipt and send it in, and they will refund you. Go to your card, a gift card, wherever you want it to go. They can do that. Just go to select gas stations and get 25 cents off per gallon and use the promo code SCORE to get an additional 25 cents off, making it 50 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up. families who keep on rolling on today's episode of locked on hbcu it's super week brought to you by get upside and there's no better place to get coverage on the big game than on the locked on nfl podcast locked on Bengals and locked on rams will be in la covering the game all week and today's word of the day is bona fides bona fides is a person's evidence of their qualifications or achievements so we're going to make sure that we get it. Matter of fact, I'm just going to drop it right now because we just went over Texas Southern's bona fides as a defensive stalwart. 
We just went over some of the supporting cast as far as FAMU goes. We went over both of these teams, Bonafides, C's. I ain't really worked out how to do the plural part of it, but just know I know what the word means, okay? I can I know the context of it, and that's really what's important. It's, it's about what's in the heart, okay? And I want to talk about just this game because, yes, we know that it's a good game. We know that it's a big-time game between two of the best teams in the SWAT. But what does it mean? It actually holds some real significance, some real importance. So let's talk about it because – the level of play and the importance of the game is what makes this must-see TV. It's going to be on NBA TV on Saturday. The second game that they are showcasing in honor of Black History Month. And I don't know if they knew what they were doing because they did, you know, put this game up middle of January towards the back half of January. So these teams were pretty good at this point. I don't know if they knew what they were getting, though, that they were going to be getting the the team that's tied for first, the team that's tied for, for fourth. I don't know if they knew that this is what they will be getting on their TV. I cannot wait for this game. And I could probably tell you for another six, seven minutes just how excited I am for this game. But I, I'll choose not to. Instead, I will harp on the importance of it rather than my excitement. So let's temper that down. Let's, right, let's get into it. And... On Wednesday, I discussed that log jam at the top of Swag Basketball, men's basketball. All five teams within one game of each other. And this week, we have a game between two of those two, uh, two of those five teams. And actually, Texas Southern and FAMU are the only teams within that group that have yet to face off. Gramlin's faced everybody. Southern's faced everybody. Allcorn has faced everybody. FAMU's faced everybody. But TSU, TSU has faced everybody. But fam you that's that's one thing that i think is great because now they're never going to play again right let's just get that out of the way they're never going to play again this off this this season in the regular season they, they might see each other in the playoffs or in the tournament they might not but this is the last time that we are guaranteed to be able to see texas southern and fam you so better believe you, you need to soak it in you need to soak it in and understand what you're witnessing because I think this is going to be a great game. I'm going to be really disappointed if it's a dud. Because I'm sitting here just hyping it up out the wazoo. But overall, it's a really good game between a lot of talent, between two talented teams and a lot of talented players. But the reason it's important is because they don't play again. If for whatever reason Texas Southern and FAMU were to tie, whether it's at the top for second, third, whatever, if these two teams were happening to end the season with the same record, same conference record, they could go to this. It's no one-and-one. One. You can't tie the season series. It'll be one game. So there will be a definitive tiebreaker between the two, and that goes into play for seeding. So say they're both fighting it out for the fourth seed, but TSU wins this game, and they end up with the same record. TSU is going to be the team that has the tiebreaker on them. They're not going to have to go through multiple things. Now, this is only if it's a one-on-one tiebreaker then once you get into three four teams that's when it just start getting i'll just let the conference take care of that because it's like i i, I don't feel like going through all the different scenarios of you get to the tiebreaker you get down to step four and now you got to go back up to one and start over it's a lot of things when getting through tiebreakers that i don't feel like getting through with a one-on-one tiebreaker this is what this solves this game right here but other than them just not being a guaranteed matchup after this I feel like there's a missing piece of the puzzle with one of these top teams not having faced another. It just feels like it is. Do I understand who these teams are by now? 
yeah, we're nine games in the SWAC season. We're halfway through. This is kicking off the second half of SWAC conference play. We've played nine games. You got nine more. So this is kicking off the second half. So do I have an understanding of who these teams are? Yeah. But I feel like something is missing. Just not having all of these teams face each other. Something about the, just the, just looking at the film and understanding that, yeah, you played a lot of top teams, but you didn't play this top team. I don't know. Something's just missing from the puzzle of analysis. That's just my brain. That's how my brain works at it, right? Um, at the end of the day, what happens right here may not have any impact going forward as far as how these teams think and operate. But going into the game, I do think that it is interesting to think about, well, if these two teams tie, this game will be the deciding factor. I do think it's interesting to think that, okay, we'll finally see FAMU face everybody. They lost to Southern, but they beat everybody else. They beat Alcorn. They beat Grambling, right? So now it's time for Texas Southern. They're on a seven-game win streak, trying to make it eight. Not going to question them because they beat Grambling and Alcorn in that seven-game win streak. Not going to question the quality. But what happens? Can you make it eight? You really make it eight. You, you're kind of looking like, oh, Southern might want to be worried because, yeah, you beat me at the beginning of the year. But I don't know. Now, they don't face Southern again until February 28th. But the way they're going, it's like well, they, they sneaking out every victory that they can, no matter how they have to do it. So this game is really going to be enticing and something that I'm looking forward to as it will be impacting not only this one game, but it could impact the tiebreaker in the future. And it also, I think it gives finally a painting of the full picture of the top five in the SWAC because you can finally see who's beaten who, who's faced who, how they've looked against who. That's what I'm most excited about. And now another thing I'm excited to do is talk to you about Feature Friday. But before we get into that, I want to tell you about Built Bar, the best bar on the market, bar none. Notice I did not have to say protein because, yes, it does have 17 grams of protein. But it's also covered in delicious chocolate. Only has 4 grams of sugar and 4 net carbs. And why are these things important? Not because it's a nutrition fact. I mean, yeah, but you can read those when you buy them at build.com, but we'll get to that in a second. This is important to show the versatility of Built Bar as if you want to go to the to the gym, just left the gym, you want to get a protein bar, they can definitely do that. The 17 grams are good for that. You want you a snack? The chocolate is great for that. Get you a nice chocolate snack. It's going to be delicious, but it's not going to be unhealthy. So that's the four grams of sugar and the four net carbs. You can eat a delicious snack without having to have all the negative side effects you don't have to worry about that you're not having to choose so you're on a diet and you're like i can't eat this anymore because it's not healthy that's just not a problem people who eat built bar run into so go to built.com use the promo code lock 15 and get your first pack all right go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 right now As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we have our feature Friday. In today's episode, we're featuring Shamar Bridges. Y'all might remember him, wide receiver, Fort Valley State. Where we talked about him on Monday's episode recapping the HBCU Combine. I discussed that Bridges was a player to me that popped more than anybody else when just watching. I'm not talking about film. I'm not talking about numbers from drills or anything like that. Just strictly what you looked like on the field that was a guy who popped to me with his hands catches explosive features 
I just thought that this was a guy who I was like, I got to see more about him. And that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. And when I looked into the film, it fit. I thought that the tape matched the drills. And I want to I wanna line it up with one of the things that he said when we spoke after the combine. And I'll play it right now for you. It's kind of stereotype. Big guys are more stiff and just big and, you know, not really have a lot of pop with me. I can get the ball and get loose and run and have the pop of a smaller guy. So I feel like that shows my versatility. I can line up inside, outside, and show them what I can really do. I feel like I got to really prove that I don't think they knew or some teams don't know I have as much pop as I do. And um, it's just only growing. I'm only just growing and learning how to run and doing everything. You know, I wasn't just a natural runner. I'm growing into it. So I think it's going to only get better. And I'm just showing them my explosiveness and, and what I can do. Not only just um, run it, rock running, but uh, run at the catch. So I looked at his film. I wanted to see, is this same pop there? Does he show run after the catch? Does he show that same explosiveness that he's talking about? And in my opinion, the, the tape did match the drills. It did match what he said. I saw it. And I want to say one thing. The thing that made me look at him a little closer in the first place at the, at the combine is something that I also saw when I was looking at the drills. And that was the fact that he's a hands catcher. There's not a lot of things getting into his body. He spoke about high pointing the ball. I don't know if that was in this clip but or in earlier in the interview, but he definitely spoke about that when we, when we talked. I saw that in here too. I saw it in here. He wanted to make sure that he attacked the ball, not the ball attacked him. So um, what else did I see in there? What else did I see other than the pop? I, I don't see a guy who's stiff. I saw those things. I see a guy who had an understanding that players really expect respected his vertical capabilities. And because of that, when he was in off coverage, you saw him push vertical a lot, but his underneath routes were really effective because of that. Because if you're respecting somebody's speed, you don't want them to go past you. You see, you saw a couple of times when he went past defenders, well, especially when they were playing more press coverage or closer coverage, you saw where he went past players. That film is around. Other cornerbacks see it. And... From there, excuse me, from there, they start playing more off. And now when they're playing off, he's threatening vertical. They have to respect it because they've seen him do it. He's, he's good with the curls. And I think that one thing I will say, I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of inside as much. I didn't see as much inside. He was mostly outside for the most part, um, which is something that he spoke on. But in, in the tape that I saw, he was a majority outside receiver not saying he can't do it but he just wasn't something that i saw and he showed that explosiveness on deeper routes but i think specifically there was one play where it's a pivot route and i'm not sure if it's called the pivot but it's basically like a slant where you plant your foot in after a couple of steps and and uh explode back outside he did that dropped his hip well and he got out of that break and the cornerback i thought had a decent angle it wasn't a great angle um but it was a decent angle but by the time he ran past him, it was a terrible angle. And he, he ran through that arm tackle, showing off his strength through contact and turned what could have been a seven-yard completion upon where he was touched at, made it to a 25-yard game. Overall, I think Shamar Bridges has shown a strong, a strong understanding of zone concepts and where to sit down in zone. He typically sits in the right place, shows his numbers to the quarterback. I think he's a really quarterback-friendly receiver. Um, always know he's a big body, 6'5". Um, but then also, like I said, he understands zone. So he knows how to show his face. And if his zone begins to collapse and there's no more room, he just slides into another open space. It's really that simple. He's done a really good job. I saw it on multiple occasions where I'm going to stop this route short, or at least look, it looks like he's stopping this route short. 
because this is the open place in the zone. Or this guy's coming over, I'm going to slide again. And he also has a a segment in his highlight tape. I don't think it's produced by him, but as a highlight tape about him where he's blocking. I love it. A receiver who who has the mindset to just want to block and it makes it on his highlight tape, sign me up for that kind of guy right there. And lastly, I don't want to make it sound like he's just a small guy in a big guy's body because we talked a lot about his his explosiveness and the pop that he has. No, he can still go up and get it on the fade. He understands positioning. He understands that he's 6'4", and that they're not going to out-muscle him if he doesn't allow them to. So he understands how to fight through that contact, rise up, keep body control, and also get a foot in bounds. I think that he's a guy who I would love to see what he can do, get a chance in a training camp body, see what he can do, man. I think that he's a guy who has a lot of talent. I think that he's a receiver who is versatile and somebody who can be added to the roster um, and, and working towards being a, con- a contributor. But that's our episode. I appreciate you making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day. Every day, next week, we will be on YouTube. We will be visual. So in addition to hearing the voice, you also get to see the face. I can't wait. I cannot wait. But for your second listen of the day, make sure you are checking out, lock, checking out Locked On Bets, expert analysis, and insight from Lee Sterling and your boy Q. It's all to put some more money into your pockets. That's the whole reason they're doing it. Free and available on all platforms, so it's free game for big games. It's really that simple. And so the next time that we hear each other, family, you guys can check on me at South Exclusives on that blue app, that bird. Yes, Twitter. So take care. Stay blessed. Peace.